Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Welcome back to another episode of How the Grades Do It. Super excited for our guest today. You know you have your one and only uh, host, Tyler Yules. And pleasure to have on the podcast today is Tierney DDA. She's the Senior Director of Revenue Ops and Analytics at Live Person. Tierney, thank you for jumping on with us. Hi, very glad to be here. I love that. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're up to at Live Person and um, kind of what the day-to-day looks like. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I am in the midst of annual planning, which keeps my <laughs> my calendar very busy as of today, um, which Always is standard. I feel like, yep, yep, stressful, not stressful at all. Work-life balance <laughs> kind of goes out the door. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, that's you, the good thing about, you know, sales operations and revenue operations is there are you know, quarterly things that you can expect all throughout the quarter, whether it's QBRs or reporting on how the business reported out or annual planning or standing up pipeline councils and collaborating with the cross-functional team on results or what we're planning for the next quarter. Um, And then the other things that kind of fall on my plate are really anything that touches sales um, in terms of efficiency systems, um, and making sure that anyone that is involved in that system or that process is all aligned to make sure that any new process is is aligned and able to move as efficiently as possible throughout the sales organization, um, which a lot of times touches marketing and SEs and CS. Um, so all of those fun things that really impact the revenue organization. No, I love that. It- was that something that you just fell in love with initially? Like, I know that you and I had uh, like talked about, is it important for someone in your sort of background to have uh, a background in sales? So maybe like you could tell us how, like how you, maybe a little bit about how you got here. Cause I think it's important for the sales ops perspective. For sure. Um, so I did start in sales. I was in sales for a little over seven years before moving into, you know, more supporting roles and you know, I do think it's important, but I don't think it's you know a necessity. But yeah. I think regardless in the industry, you'll you'll hear people saying, "Oh, they get it," or "They don't get it." Um, and a lot of times, I think that helps to be one of the people that gets it um, from, and that's coming from like the sales team. You want to be the person that the sales team yeah. is saying, "Oh, they get it." Um, with having you know kind of walked in their shoes, um, you know, to me with salespeople, the simple answer wins. Um, and I've always kind of been someone that is, you know, just fast paced, but also doesn't need to overcomplicate something to execute on something. Um, and so even when I was in sales and, and kind of how I got into sales, which is uh, a funny story, but uh, it was kind of my mom just like being like, give my daughter a job after college to one of her <laughs> her friends. Um, and, and my dad was in finance for over 30 years. And so it was basically sales. And he he said, if you're good at sales, you'll always have a job. Like you're not going to yeah. get fired from a job if you're good at sales. And and so I went in not having any you know background in sales, and was just like I'm just going to outwork everyone. And yeah. I was always number one in sales primarily because I was just I was playing a little bit of the numbers game. I was calling more people. I was following up on all my leads. Uh, stay like you know not really 
like taking no as an answer. So I would continue to nurture people and follow up on people and uh, meet people and build relationships to be able to close deals. Uh, and that's yeah. what made me good at it. Um, which, which then, you know, fast forward, it was just kind of burnt out on sales, but still really wanted to be able to impact revenue. And so I moved over to Salesforce. I was at a company prior called Fleet Corps, um, that's where I started in sales and moved over to Salesforce and basically moved into sales there because I, I was looking to potentially do something else. I wanted to be more supporting sales, but I knew that was going to be my foot in the door um, because I was, yeah. I was good at it and not necessarily good at like the selling part. I was good at the relationships and, uh, and playing the numbers game and just working everything to its fullest. Um, and so I, so I moved into more of a program manager role at Salesforce after being a VDR there for a year. And that's kind of when I, I really found my dream job in, in supporting sales. So making sure that they had the right tools in place to work efficiently, making sure they had the right resources cross-functionally from marketing, you know, working with our sales strategy team on, uh, on targets that they could go after so that things were, they knew exactly who to call with exactly what messaging and then what was marketing doing from an air cover standpoint. And then how was that going to progress throughout the sales funnel? And yeah. I just really liked that because I still was influencing sales, but I didn't have the pressure of a quota. Um, and it was a little bit more creative and it was cross-functional. I wasn't just like in my little silo trying to, mm -hmm. to close deals. I was working to make something happen to make people more efficient and go back to kind of how I became good at sales, which was really efficient efficiency and making it scientific and just doing the same thing over and over again and critiquing based on, on what was working. No, I love that. Right. And so it's, you know, if I, if I hear you correctly, right. A lot of sales ops is just creating a repeatable process so to make things easier for the salespeople. And so, you know, I'd love to understand what, why is there this dysfunction sometimes between sales and sales ops? You know, is it, is it salespeople are just really difficult to work with? No, 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 <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. I think most people, if you like broke it down, they would want something more repeatable. I yeah. think, unfortunately, we become our own worst enemy and we go over like, go, we, you know, gravitate to like the latest thing and we navigate away from like what we should have just stuck to, which to me is basics and then being consistent with those. Um, and then I do like, there's always enhancements that you're going to want to make but I would limit it to one a quarter and we all get, you know, excited about the next new project. I'm hundred percent guilty of this. And, you know, you want to, you want to see an efficiency gain or a massive impact to revenue or deals, whatever the case is pipeline. Um, yeah. And so you go after like the, the new latest thing and you try to get adoption quick. And it, when those pile up, then it's hard to, to get adoption on anything. And so I think we, you know, we we're, we're a culture of execution and, you know, trying to get a quick return, instant gratification, and we just overcomplicate it for ourselves. So to me, simple answer wins. Consistency is key yeah. and trying to really prioritize on what it, what is leadership aligned with that we should execute on from an operations perspective to actually drive an impact with the sales teams. 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, and so when navigating, you know, trying to what's going to be the most successful for your mid-market team compared to your SMB team or your enterprise team, I think those are going to be, you're going to get a lot of conflicting answers. And when you're all trying to live in one system, um, like, do you have a methodology that you have in place to to get it all in there and and find a way that's going to all going to work? Is there like an 80% that everyone's going to work using, everyone's going to have their own 20%? And what makes the most yeah. sense when setting up a system that in that way? Or Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, the way I kind of break down any type of sales motion is there's really two lanes. There is, okay, I know what, like who I want to target, but I don't know what I need to target with, to them with. Right. And so if you could understand that population, like, okay, am I, is this a certain vertical? And now I need to understand what does that, those specific accounts care about? And that's more of like the hands-on, um, like ABM approach and doing research. So that's like one lane. And then the other lane is, okay, I, I, I know what I'm selling, but now I need to figure out who to sell it to. And that's right. a little bit more scalable. Um, and so I think just simplistically, you can really break it down to the, into those tracks and you can do, you know, a 50-50 split on, okay, for this group of people that it's usually like based on on your product. Um, I know our, our FinServe, FinServe accounts, like we win at a higher rate here. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to target this over and over again with this messaging that I know is going to resonate with banks. Um, and you can make that a little bit more scalable. And then there's these, you know, the bigger accounts where there's, you do a ton of research on this account to really understand like, what are, where are they today? And how can I have a very strong point of view on what we're selling to, to solve that specific problem? And if the sale, if you're targeting in that approach, you, you're kind of doing a little bit of, of both, which usually returns results. And it just, but like, then that it gets operational in terms of, okay, what is that content? Who are you targeting? How do you get that data? Um, sure. And so that's where, you know, my role comes into play and making sure that they have access to that and then working with like marketing enablement to make sure that we're all aligned in, in how we're, we're going after these, these accounts or these prospects um, and making sure that, that, that information is resonating, have a, having a feedback loop and, and ensuring that the sales team's executing in it on it and they're and they're bought in because if they don't believe in the positioning or the targets, then we've lost. Absolutely. You know, and so often I can think back in my experiences of working on different companies and even consulting different companies where they rolled out maybe new messaging <clears throat> and maybe it didn't explain the reasoning why behind that and it didn't get the greatest adoption. And so like what do you think is the most important when trying to like deliver a new message and like change, you know, you have change coming, like how are you going to get the best adoption in a team? Because I think that's really the most important part, right? Like you can create all the strategy if you want, but if people don't use yep. it or don't implement it in the way that you hope, yep. then it ain't going to work. Yeah. I think it goes back to our theme, collaboration, which involves discovery like and, and making sure sales is at the forefront of that discovery. Um, and using data, what are they hearing? What are we seeing in our reports? Because sometimes, you know, the yeah. data only gets you so far, it becomes an art and a science, you really need to understand the sales reps point of view and, and what they're hearing, um, to be able to to take that data and 
have a conversation with sales leaders, marketing, SE, CSM, and and really make sure that they are bought in on on this new mess on the new messaging and and make sure that they yeah. have skin in the game and they are like even putting them in front of the teams to enable when it's rolled out is I think a, a great way to enable teams and, and get adoption. No, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Like anytime someone has, they feel like they've been heard, right? I think most people just want a seat at the table, right? They want to feel totally. heard and whether, yeah. right? Like we take their ideas into consider, consideration as leadership, but they just want to make sure that they were heard and right. Like they felt like they had some sort of, um, operate, 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 oh, oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody knew what I was trying to say there. Um, yeah. so like, but I, I would still say that's, that's a difficult thing, um, to still do getting everyone in a room. And on the flip side of that, right. When you are getting all that collaboration, it takes longer on projects. And so, is there a system or a way that you you found to manage that so that it, it obviously doesn't take you know really long periods of time to roll out new new objectives? But on the flip side, right, are you still able to get the um, information you need to have that collaboration create um, something that's going to best support all teams? Yes. So I love using Quip or Airtable to project manage. Um, which I think is amazing. Like, I think they're there. You just have to have something to keep everyone aligned and tight on next steps and tight on timelines. Um, so even with like annual planning, we have a massive document with like, you know, a work back date. Uh, there are things that we need to accomplish in certain weeks and making sure that people know that they need to be involved in certain meetings that, we need to have certain deliverables by these dates. We need to have sign off by these dates and making sure that's all very tight and making sure that there's a decision log. These are the decisions that we need to make by these dates. Who needs to be a part of that decision-making process? And do we have their approval? Which you always go into meeting and be like, all right, great. After this meeting, we're going to be done. We're going to get mm-hmm. the approval and we're going to go on. And then there's always like a request for one more piece of data and things get delayed. So you have to bake that in. Um, which is okay. It's always usually good feedback um, yeah. and worth the extra investigation. Uh, but you want to make sure that you do have a, a tight project plan and that people are aligned on the importance of the timeline and the progression in decision-making um, to be able to execute. And that's the same with any type of project, whether it's new messaging, whether it's a new play that is being distributed to the field, whether it's annual planning, whether it's how we run our QVRs, um, it, it's important to to document and have tight alignment and make sure that people feel that they also have ownership in that document. It doesn't just have to be a project manager or a leader documenting everything. You want it to be collaborate, collaborative, where people can go in there and say, okay, I, I'm assigned to this timeline, but I need to push it back because the person I'm meeting with is out of office or whatever the sure. case is. And so any type of project plan, it's important to make sure people know that this is theirs as well. And they can go in and put in notes, update next steps, and then be able to come to the meetings and provide updates to make sure everyone's on the same page. And we're not all just, you know, wishful thinking that we're going to hit these, these timelines. Absolutely. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess you have to have a plan for every part of the business, right? And, and just like we we like to do in sales and uh you know 
creating the entire prospect experience, like, you know, you, your job is to make sure that the salesperson experience is easy as possible as thinking about that prospect experience. But I would like to hit on that a little bit more. Like, you know, you know, we're dealing with a prospect um, most of the time that's well more informed. And so when we, you know, a lot of the kickback I hear from sales is that, you know, the more that they have to put into the system, the harder it is to progress deals. And, you know, they feel like maybe they're pushing somebody through uh, a discovery process that doesn't overly make sense. But, you know, as, as sales leaders or as sales ops, like, hey, we're trying to get this data and trying to explain yeah. why them. Um, it's like, what kind of kickback do you, would you give those people out there that are maybe not yeah. the greatest sales, sales force or inputters <laughs> right. of data, right? But yeah. It's hard. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. it's hard. I I think it's important, and um, it's important to show or to like enable sales on on what they get out of it. And a lot of times, I feel like they get more out of just like the the reporting aspect. So giving them a dashboard of where they can see everything that they're working on, and so yeah. so it gives it like it gives them that real snapshot of everything that they're working. And so if you're just if you think of it more singular, like, oh, make sure you update your opportunity, you gotta have the close right close date, your next steps, all of that that becomes annoying. You're like, well, yeah. well, like, why am I just, you know, that becomes annoying. But if you give them like a dashboard of here are all your past like next steps, which means you might want to follow up with these people or yep. things that have, like we know we win on deals that only stay in stage, like every stage less than 20 days. These are the ones that or over that, like, is, do we, like, how do you progress this? Here are some assets. Um, so thinking of it more of like, how does the end user use it? And how, like, how is it going to help them is, is, is usually where you should start when it comes to trying to get salesperson bought in on progressing opportunity stages. Um, but I also, to be fair on the opportunity stages, like you don't want to have a million gates because then that just frustrates them and then you do lose adoption. So to sure. me, it's important to have like one critical gate per step because that's also important for like, how are we forecasting? Um, and so I think a gate per per stage and, and you don't want 20 stages, like under seven is ideal. Um, you will, I, from an analytic standpoint, we will still get what we need um, and then, and sales will still be able to feel like they can use it to manage their book of business. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, you know, w when it comes to collaborating, I think with different leaders, you, it, you know, you're dealing with all these different personalities. And I think, you know, a lot of type A personalities when dealing with different leadership, uh, people in leadership, right? Like, how do you manage those relationships mm -hmm. and get them bought into, you know, whatever you're trying to yeah. sell at that point, right? Because I think everybody's selling. It's what are you selling? Totally. Right. And, <laughs> totally. And you're, and you're selling process, right? And so yes. that may not be always uh, bought into by a leader, nope. especially when you're trying to add another step yep. uh, to their to their to their already a hundred steps to close a deal. Exactly. Um, I think it really comes down to trust. Um, yeah. I, I think building trust with the people that you're working with is key. Um, and, and, you know, always having, you know, coming in with a point of view is important, but also being very respectful to understand their point of view and being able to, to solve that. Like, how do we get to a compromise 
that's going to work for both of us and then execute on it. And to me, like I, there's not many things that I, like I have a point of view, but I, I don't feel like I draw many lines in the sand to say, nope, we're going to do it my way. This is the only way. Like I want to hear what sales wants and I want to be yeah. able to deliver on that for them. That also, also in return gives us what we need from a business reporting standpoint or just efficiency standpoint, which is again, and hopefully for them. So if it, at the end of the day, if it's not actually efficient for them, then, then we failed. And so the end of the, like, we always need to be able to solve for sales. It's just, I might have more of a systems thinking on how that might work or how these might integrate that my job is to enable the sales leader on how this could work based on what they want. Um, And so really being able to combine the two and kind of be their, like not their better half, but the other half that will help, will help, you know, cross, be able to cross the line and what they actually want. Because at the end of the day, like sales wants that data. Um, They just don't want to waste time because they want to be, as they should be talking with customers. And so you have to initially align on what are those KPIs that you really care about? Then let's, let's do those. Um, Because I also care about those KPIs as well. Yeah. Um, And so I think if like, as long as you have the time of the sales leader to really like understand what, what's important, then we can usually align. Um, But I think it all comes back to, to trust. They have to trust that you care about their time um, and and they have to understand that you want to do like the best for the sales organization. Um, and so you have, you have to build that and that, and that takes time, but it, it pays off because you're going to be like, I'm always able to execute on more based on my relationships with, with the people that I work with. No, I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Like people work with, you know, whether we say it or we don't, right? Like people buy who they want, who they like, buy from, mm-hmm. from who they like, yep. right? They work with who they like. They avoid people that they don't want to they don't want to yep. work with right and and so you know what you're saying makes a ton of sense right you got to build rapport you can't come in and try to make change without getting to know somebody a little bit and making them part of the process really early on and saying like this is what i want to help you with um yeah and not coming with them saying like this is what i'm going to do right more totally. like hey this is my thought do you have any better do you have any different thoughts because yep. this is still this is the problem we're trying to solve there. I think there's probably a bunch of different ways to do it. Yeah. You know, what, what would be the best fit for your organization? You know, your, your vertical in a sense. Mm-hmm. And yep. It just totally. makes you a true partner. Yeah, totally. And then at the, sometimes at the end of the day, you're like, is this really a problem? Like, where is this yeah. issue coming from? Like, is this something that is something that we immediately need to solve for or, do we need to go back to the drawing board and align on the priorities with the sales organization? I think is also mm-hmm. really important. I think we get so caught up on like, oh, we like we have to do this, but like, yeah, what what do we what do we want to do? Um, like, what is why is that a problem? Who is it we solving for? Um, and and are there other things that we should be working on that are a bigger priority that are going to bigger efficiency gains or are going to you know, drum up more revenue. Um, so I think it's always important to just always take a step back, understand what are we trying to solve? What is going to be the impact of what we're trying to solve for? And, and, and who cares? Like who, yeah. who's going to want to be a part of this and not doing it in a silo. Like if we do know that we need to solve for something, making sure that people are brought into that conversation to ideate, which will make it take longer, but it will pay off. 
um, to, and, and ideate with them to be able to come up with a solution and then execute. Because if we just do things in silo and we're singular in our point of view, it'll usually fall flat. No, that, that totally makes sense. You know, I'd love to hear, you know, I think about sales operations as like problem solvers and obstacle yeah. movers, right? Like that's how I like to think yep. about it. And maybe everyone doesn't think about you all <laughs> in that way. Um, but right. Like that's how I like to think about it. That's and the core so, of my job. Solve problems. Yeah. Right? Like, you're <laughs> totally. like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like when my husband's so, like, what are we doing for dinner? I'm like, that's your problem to solve. I solve problems all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Already solved my limit of problems for the yeah, day. Yeah, I'm like, I have capacity. <laughs> like I you figure that. out dinner, you take out the trash. <laughs> uh-huh. But I think the hardest part of all that is like finding stuff that's not working, right? And so what are some of the ways that you found the most success in, you know, really discovering the problems? Um, just, just off the initial thing, right? Cause are there any sort of KPIs or indicators you're looking for when you're looking at the data or is it more of, Hey, this, this process isn't working for you, for me. And in that interview set interview wise, or yeah, I'd love to hear like what you found to be the most successful. Yeah, I think, I think most of it usually comes down to data or some yeah. type of like integration, um, which actually becomes like true problems. Uh, where yeah. you're like, like you have to go and investigate that, which can be very tedious. <laughs> um, and so those are the problems that you're like, oh, okay, like it's gonna take time. We got to like figure out like where is this coming from? What is this looking like? It could be something in Snowflake, mm-hmm. and it you know who knows. Um, but if you lose trust in the data, it then like that's also really bad. Um, so those are things that we put out a biweekly report every every two weeks that is like all of our metrics broken down by like obviously ARR, pipe gen, MQL, and there's tons of metrics in there. And me and my team go through that with a fine tooth comb before we put that out because yeah. and I would rather it be delayed than put out an error. Because sure. if you lose trust in the data, then all of this work, like they're not gonna look at it and it's gonna be for nothing um until someone someone needs it. <laughs> um, but so I think like inspecting the data is really important and, and having a cadence around that. Like you don't always want it brought to your attention that something's off. You want to be able to be proactive about it. And so if there's checks that you can put in place to to point to if there is an error or a gap, then do it. If it's manual, like we're doing, um, you do it. Spend the time to take an hour a week with the team to go through it with a fine tooth comb to make sure that what we're going to put out is is accurate and up to date um, because once people find errors, then they lo- they lose trust, um, and yeah. it looks like you know looks like you don't have your stuff together. So it's a, it's important to invest the time early on to be proactive about where where we think errors could be and and making sure that you get ahead of it before before it's called out. Yeah, I mean, so much of this is set up on the front end and then good data in, right? It's like as long as it's the sales reps are putting good data in, right? And then everything's yeah. worked most of the time the way it's supposed yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and so like <laughs> how early, part, yeah. yeah, right, right. But how early of a, how early should a company start thinking about sales operations? Is it like a number of transactions, do you think? Or is it a certain amount of revenue? Because so I, I think yeah. if, if companies put that stuff earlier on, on in the process, right? Like, they probably saved themselves a lot of headache and a lot of setup 
but it probably doesn't make sense to capture all that information at when you're first when you're first starting out. And so I think there has to be like a give and take. But totally. when should companies maybe start thinking about it? I mean, I think I mean <laughs> obviously I'm biased, but I would say pretty early on. That doesn't mean yeah. that you do everything under the sun. That just means that you make sure that the things that you're doing are done right the first time so that as the company evolves, you can build upon that. Um, But I do really think that it's very important and the company will be more efficient, which efficiency equals dollars and time, um, that it will pay off in the long run too. And it doesn't have to be like, you just need someone to be able to get the job done. You don't need to hire a senior level executive to lead up a whole sales operations org. You need someone right. that can be able to to under prioritize and understand what is important and be able to solve the problem right the first time. And that might be from like how does like Salesforce and billing talking to each other? Like what are the main KPIs that we're putting out for the sales organization? And we're just sticking to those. Um, yeah. how is like MQLs flowing in and getting those right the first time. And then you can get very creative. And then you start looking into like win rates, coverage, pipe generation, um, all those other things. But do the important things right the first time, which is why you would want to hire someone um, that can work with between sales and, and systems to, to prioritize those, make sure they are done right the first time and and make sure that there's a cadence with those. Because if you just do something and you kind of set it and forget it and you're not yeah. holding people accountable to it. And it's exactly what you just said is a lot of times we're relying on sales to input that data and they're not going to do it. And and we don't have historical data, which is, you know, kind of all we, we want. We want to see how we're doing year over year, quarter over quarter. Yeah. I mean, I know you mentioned that like, you know, for your team, y'all are putting out a two week report every two weeks. Y'all are sending out a report. And do you, do you think that's the right kind of, uh, do you think that's the right kind of timing? It, it, it may be for your company. And is that usually the type of timing that you like to see? Um, or does it so, depend? So that's when we like publish it to deck. The data yeah. is always live. Um, but so I'm going to ans- answer your question a little differently that I think okay. it's important to have global dashboards. Um, because I think when you start getting everyone standing up their own individual dashboards, you end up like combating, why is this one different than this one? And there needs to be a global standard on how you're reporting out. And, and so even though we're, we're publishing this like data into a deck and it's kind of like, it becomes our snapshot only, you know, every two weeks, we, the, the dashboard's live all the time. So anyone can go in there and, and get what they need at any point in time. Um, but it's important to have that. I think those be global um, and have a global standard on how we report out on the business and making sure that people understand that. So we we, we have a stage zero um, that is not inclusive of pipeline. So we don't include that in any of our, our metrics because it's not pipeline. Um, it's like a placeholder. And, and so we identify that on the reports that this is stage one and above. Um, and, I, and so when there becomes a global standard and you can surface up like how things were pulled, it makes it a lot easier for people to understand it and then also be able to, you know, come up with a point of view on like the whys and and set actions or next steps to either solve the gap or double down on the opportunity. Yeah, no, that makes that makes a ton of sense. And so, <clears throat> with with that, right? Are there any indicators that you're 
that you that you're keeping an eye out for um within that data set that says like hey there may be some areas of improvement um that you're keeping a constant lookout for because i know you said you know it's a constant evaluation yeah i mean the main things i always look out for are obviously bookings uh, pipe gen and pipe coverage and for those that don't know the difference Pipe gen is basically based on created dates. So whatever we're like creating in quarter, which is usually like how like how are we setting ourselves up? And then coverage, yeah. which is everything that's set to close in that quarter. So for new logos, I expect us to have 5X pipeline um, to be able to hit our, our plan. And then for expansion, 3X. So that's based on like our, our win rates and um, and just how much historical pipeline that we've had that has converted. Um, so I sure. look at those a lot. I also look at velocity and so how fast are our deals progressing. Closing, yeah. Yep. And then I also think it's important to 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 look at like the deal size. Like so looking at bands, how like are we are every every deal under a hundred K or like are we how do we get to that next band for certain deals? So are we only selling like a single product and we should be now having more solution sales. Um, so looking at those, those deal size and kind of bucketing them under hundred K, hundred K to 500 K, et cetera. Um, and understanding where those, those bands lie. And to me, those are like the big ones. I mean, we get into, and then like win rates and, and close rates, I think are important, but I think, I think those are, are really key in any organization. Yeah. And have you found like when you're able to segment down um, to that, to those, type of depths like are are you able to find more commonalities between icp and make and like find different commonalities of like where we're selling the best like yeah because i would assume like, that's I, what we're seeing mm-hmm. and then you can make you know you can make the positive uh you know changes for for what you're seeing yeah yeah i always break everything out by like region verticals um and then you then segment out and so this year was the the first year that like we prior to to be joining, there was only uh, they had strategic and enterprise, and there wasn't a rhyme or reason as to like where accounts fell. Um, sure. And so this year, like we were like going to have some rhyme to our reason, and so we <laughs> still had strategic, which is our named accounts, um, and then enterprise was anything above fifty k ARR, and then we had new logo, and then SMB, which is more we had more of a self service bucket. And so yes, I broke everything by that, and then and then within those understanding what verticals that we we went in, and then I work really closely with marketing. Um, to, they obviously are aware for the ICP, and then we can make sure that certain MQLs are prioritized based on verticals, based on you know the t- the type of MQL, and and making sure those have an account owner, um, and if they're a new logo, they're worked a little bit, you know, more fuller that is uh, expansion, then those reps obviously kind of can take it with a grain of salt, depending on where, who the person is in, in the account. Yeah, no, that totally makes that, that, def- that definitely makes sense. You know, for all the salespeople out there that, that are going to be listening to this, they're going to be like, okay, that's why they do those things. <laughs> they're still um, probably going to roll their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I follow the, there's like, um, I don't know, the gif on like, I don't, it's like, it makes fun of sales ops and, um, and sales all the time. And it's pretty comical. Yeah. And so I'll send those to some of our, our salespeople every once in a while. Like, so can we move forward with this? <laughs> um, are, like are we being ready the for the annoying sales yeah. op person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Try to keep it you light. Know, I love that. Uh, um, you know, 
so many organizations, I think, get siloed into their into you know their bucket, whether that's sales ops or marketing or sales um, or customer success. And I think it's really easy to stay in your box and figure out, you know, how do we win? But we sometimes forget we're all go to market. Sales ops doesn't forget because they are go to market and help <laughs> bring everyone together. Um, and so like in the companies that you've been at, like, I'd love to understand the ones that have done sales ops well in one and the ones that have, you know, lacked in, in that sense, like what was different, the differentiator? Yeah. I mean, so I, so I would say two things. One is prioritization, um, being really tight on prioritization from leadership down is I think really important. Salesforce did a great job at, they called it their V2 mom. And, you know, Mark Benioff would set his, his goals and then it would go all the way down to individual contributors and you would layer on kind of everyone's vision and methods and all the things that they wanted to accomplish within the year. And, and so you would be able to prioritize based on that. And you were very clear on kind of like what you were going to execute on throughout the year. Of course, there's fire drills. There's always like the new latest thing that you have to go solve for or do, but it usually rolled up to one of the key things or big bets for the year. So they did a great job of like setting the theme for the year and, and having people aligned to that. Um, the other thing I would say is just is, is like, again, like planning is like, you have to be aligned on, on like how you're going to plan, how you're going to work together to be able to execute, because you really can't do anything, especially in my role in a silo, um, because it's, it wouldn't work. I mean, I guess I could, but I don't feel like it would be well adopted or, you know, even appreciated. And so it's really important to, to have conversations and build relationships to be able to, to plan and to deliver on what the plan was. I think that the way you do that is by really understanding what is the need of the business and and then making sure that everyone's aligned, that these are the things that we can execute on and in this timing. Um, so I would say that. Um, the other, the last thing is something too that started from Salesforce that I've kind of carried on in, in all my roles is they, they, we used to do a pipeline council and it's where the whole go-to-market cross-functional team leadership would come together and we would review metrics and you kind of, you, it's like data insight action. So you, we bring the data and everyone's offering their insight on why the data is saying what it does. And then from there, you collaborate on the actions and the next steps. And it's very coordinated so that you all, again, stay aligned in order to prioritize and execute. So, I mean, they're not necessarily sprints, but it does keep everyone aligned to make sure that we're not all going in different directions. Um, and I, yeah. I think that's critical. Like, you, there has to be a place for everyone to come together to to have a dis- open discussion, good or bad. Like, I, it's important to to talk about the gaps, and it's it's important to come up with a plan on how we're going to execute on, and what is everyone's role in that? Because if we're all aligned, sales is going to be less confused. Like, if marketing's telling you to go do this. Like sales ops is saying, go do one thing. Your sales leaders do it, saying something else, and enablement's enabling you on something totally different. We're creating confusion, which is not yeah. efficient um, for the sales team. And so, creating that alignment at a leadership level for the cross-functional team is, is critical. You know, you you had talked about you know how um, at Salesforce how you did goals and how they came really top down. Yep. 
And I so often think about how I got my quota as a sales leader and it was as it was handed down and as I handed it down to my team um, and I, you know, even as I received that information from my sales leaders um, in the past and, you know, you're totally right. Like it wasn't, but it wasn't connected in the same way. And I think if companies maybe spend a little bit more time or as us as leaders spend a little more time to said, these are executive priority. This came down yeah. from here. This came down from here. And for our business unit, this is how we're going to contribute to that goal. So for each mm-hmm. salesperson, this is how you're going to do that. Totally. Right? Maybe a little bit more impactful than, hey, here's your million dollar quota. Add totally. Boy and, and get at it. Yeah, no, totally. And that's funny because it's like, you know, resonating well right now with annual planning. Like to me, my job is like voice of the field. Like I, like, you know, finance is like, where this is the number. I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) that is not our number. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I'm, and I come with the data on this is like what we're going to do. These are the people that we have in our in seat today. This is their ramp. This is, you know, this is like where I think we're projected and it becomes a top down bottoms up. And my job is really the bottoms up um, and understanding from the sales point of view, what I think we can execute on. And you always meet in the middle and that's part of the, and that's what you said earlier is like, we're always selling something. Um, yeah. but, um, my, you know, I take my job as, as voice of the field. And I think that's important in, in my role is to not just always kind of be this like operations, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say ivory tower, but, um, it's more like, I don't know, be like the opposite of that. Um, but it's important to, to be able to represent for the field. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, you know, especially from our entire conversation today and our conversations that we've had previously, that you do just that. Um, and I know this has been helpful for me. And I hope my hope is that you you're listening to this and you figure out, hey, how do I partner better with my sales ops people to to remove the blockers and the um and the obstacles you have in the way for closed deals? Because that's what they're there for. And I think ultimately if you had a really transparent conversation with your sales ops person with that goal in mind. They would all be happy to have the conversation. Totally. Totally. Well, Tierney, this has been super fun. I appreciate you jumping on. This was great. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Absolutely. For everyone, you know you can listen on Spotify, Apple Music, um, YouTube. It's all out there. This is just another episode of How the Greats Do It. Um, Appreciate you listening.